we're going to have to do a Baba Black Sheep podcast at some point. You know that, right? We yeah, I think I know that. Yeah, okay. Hey, instead of Rockford or Mad Men, we could talk about Baba Black Sheep this week. We could. Okay, so let's do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> excellent. I am Dave, and he is Steve, and this is the Bowington's Bastards podcast, where we're rewatching and analyzing with our... I thought I had a thing I was going to describe our ability to analyze things with, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> with our amazingness, I don't know. Uh, we're watching Baba Black Sheep, and we're going to watch and talk about we have watched season one episode two best three to five which is a red buell episode and i love whenever charles napier shows up <laughs> on his way to eden uh i'm happy that's uh, true yeah yeah brother uh yeah he doesn't sing in this one though it's so funny how he played space hippie and you know his whole bread and butter was made not with being the opposite of a hippie all yeah exactly like he was almost always a military guy. I, yeah. I bet he played a Marine 50 times in Probably. his career. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so this one was aired originally on September 23rd, 1976, which I think is three or four days after the pilot was aired. Um, September. Let's see. I would have been 11. Yeah. I would have been 11. Still living in Sudbury. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And we would have, we would have just been back from that summer. We went to the Montreal Olympics and so that was cool. Right. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Actually yeah. saw some stuff. That was back when Canada was shitty at everything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't see Canada win any medals or anything. No, because uh, no. we just remember how excited we got about a guy getting silver in yep. the high jump. Greg Joy. Yep. See, I know his Greg name. Joy. Yeah, and so do you, right? <laughs> Did you see Nadia Comaneci? I, I I saw she was performing gymnastics while I was in Montreal. We didn't actually right. go to gymnastics yet. Right. We saw pole vault. Uh, a bunch of athletics things, um, some cycling and a soccer game between Israel and Mexico. And it was right. terif- terrifying because it was in the very top row of the big O and they were temporary seats. And I was just, I didn't watch. I just sat there quietly shaking because I was frightened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, later you would have been worried about pieces of the Olympic stadium falling on your head. So I was worried about that then too, because we're <laughs> sitting right at the top and I looked like, and the, the roof was literally maybe 10 eight meters above me and i kept uh-huh. looking up going eh, i don't know man <laughs> anyway that was me in 1976 i was nine and we just moved to sackville oh very nice very nice we would have moved in that that july okay yeah when i was in montreal uh <laughs> very good uh right the uh it opens up of course as it always does with a newsreel um uh talking about the tide of war and basically the 
message of this was don't screw with the United States' industrial capacity. Yeah. You know, I Yamamoto never said I'm afraid we've awakened a sleeping giant, but no. yeah. He he thought it. <laughs> yeah. And, and Churchill said they won the war. He knew they were going to win the war. Cause... Oh, as soon as they attacked Pearl Harbor. It's like, oh, yeah. good. Well, yeah. this is going to cost a lot of lives, but we will yeah. now win we for sure. Win because of the industrial might of the United States. Yeah. I mean, in after Pearl Harbor, the Japanese Navy made a hundred. I think I looked this up. Made made seven new aircraft carriers. They built seven aircraft carriers. The United States built 171. Yeah. Now, some of those were smaller escort carriers, etc. You know, um, it's the same thing with the airplanes. At one yeah. point, uh, they would wanted to be able to. Uh, Roosevelt talked about getting to you know building fifty thousand planes a year, and it was getting to the point where they were building fifty thousand planes a month. Yeah. Well, look at look at it this way: the Yorktown it was in the Battle of Coral Sea that Yorktown was badly mm-hmm. damaged, mm-hmm. Um, and they got back. They managed to get back to port. Yeah, uh, this would surprise the Japanese at Midway, but um, yeah, they managed. Yeah, managed, to, managed to get back to, to port and yep. somebody asked, said so how long will it take to refit the yorktown they 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 estimated three to six months yeah and, and the answer was you have three days yeah and they did, <laughs> and they it. did it so like, you, like yeah. it was so close that as yorktown's heading back into the theater of war yeah. there are still uh civilian mechanics on yeah. the yorktown that's right it would work yeah. As it's going out, it's like that was that's just how you know proficient and very amazing the American we we often sort of for good reasons yeah. give shit to the Americans. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but there are times when you know the Americans do some really amazing- when it comes when it comes down to something serious, you yeah. kind of want them on your team. Um yeah, exactly because and it's not, there's nothing magic about it. It's just that when you've got, well, then, but 200 million people living in a great big country that has all these resources, yeah, they can just yeah. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so about two thirds of the Allied war material was made uh, in yeah. the United States during the war. Uh, yeah. So just basically don't screw with the United States uh, generally. Uh, there's a, you know, um, I think people were shocked when the Japanese attacked. Like, it was like, what the hell? What? Yeah. Huh? Japan? And part of that's driven by, a lot of that's driven by racism. But the other part of it is, I think a lot of people were like, do they really know what they've done? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. So yeah, that, 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 that newsreel did a good job. It also has some of the nice sort of propaganda elements, even though it's a brand new thing. It says things like, uh, you know, the, the, the finest train, the best trained person in the world is the American fighting man. And eh, that may have even been true, uh, yeah. but probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Japanese pilots were probably better trained. At the beginning, they were definitely better. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when you've got a zillion of them, um, makes makes a difference. Uh, We get, like I said, it's a Red Buell episode, which I always like. uh, And um, uh, they're figuring out, they're, they're flying along. Uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do using pen and paper, uh, which what they would have done today. They use a yeah. computer. Um, yeah. But yeah. And of course they get jumped by some zeros. I re- this was really good. Uh, this is one of the better ones with the interspersing the old footage. Mostly that footage is from Tora Tora Tora. Mostly, uh, yeah. Because I have Tora 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 now and then. I watch it and it's like, oh right, that's where they got that from. Uh, the zoom in on the three guns on the play on yeah. the the three machine guns. That's from there, uh, and a lot of the other shots are too. Uh, so yeah, they at get least they're not RAF planes. <laughs> at least they got the right roundels on. Them. <laughs> 
Yeah. I also like here that they actually, they're low on fuel and ammo. For a change, they've run out of ammunition. Yep. Uh, wild stuff. Um, which, which was true. I mean, yeah, it's supposed they, to happen. They were having problems, you know, and they're having problems with their torpedoes too. I mean, all of that doesn't come up, but they, yeah. you know, they, they figured 90% of the American torpedoes didn't work properly. The, the um, those electric uh, torpedoes. Yeah, that's right. That was a real, real, really serious problem. Yeah. Um, because you sort of hope your bullets work. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. kind of a thing. Like, yeah. think about that if you're actually, if it was two, like, you know, soldiers <laughs> shooting at each other, it's like, gee, my bullets hit you, but they don't do anything. How's yeah. that possible? Yeah. So that's basically what's going on there. Um, so they land and, um, Pappy talks with General Moore, who I always like. Um, and they shouldn't have even had a mission, but General Moore ordered a mission for them. Uh, and Lard tells tells Greg that you know he's not getting any more missions, uh, and or any spare parts or any ammo. Uh, and uh, he says that uh, don't worry, he'll figure it out because Greg says he's faster than a Gilbert and Sullivan chorus line. <laughs> <laughs> they do a lot of that. They do a lot of. Uh, they, they, they'll, as much as there are times when the anachronisms are huge, I mean, every time every, everybody's on screen, all their hair is wrong. Yeah. And I've said this many times, but they yeah. get, they do the cultural references nicely. They, yeah. they make a point of that. And I like that. Uh, we go back to Pavelicata. Um, Greg and Jim talk. I love, uh, James Whitmore Jr. as Jim Gutterman. Like he's just yeah. the, he's, I think, at least in season one, I haven't watched all of, I've almost finished all of season one of my current rewatch. And I'll say that he is easily the best actor on the show. Yeah, I think so. Um, he's given I, a meaty I, role, but oh, I, yeah. I, but I think he's the best actor. Not that anybody's bad. Well, I mean, a lot of them with perhaps the exception of like, um, um, Dana Elkar and mm-hmm. Simon Oakland and Robert Conrad, they're all really young actors. They're young guys. Yeah, that's right. right? They're, you know, they're, they, you know, like, like look at John Larroquette. Like yeah. now he, he's a really good actor, but yeah. you know, he's been acting for what, 40 years, right? Yeah. With Night Court and all that kind of stuff. This is an early role for him. So, yeah. you know, he, and as you said, he, he, they don't often have, all of them have kind of meaty roles because, no. you know, big cast, you, you know, you have to kind of focus. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he's, he's kind of learning his craft, right? So, you know, so that, that's, that's understandable. Whereas I think Whitmore Jr. has probably, probably had a little bit more experience. I think so too. I mean, he had already right. been in some things, uh, yeah, exactly. some things on TV and, and his uh, father's an actor and his too, father. Right? That's so, right. So he grew up around it. Uh, yeah, he grew up around it. So, I mean, it makes some sense uh, that they would give it to him. Uh, but yeah, I really do like watching him work because he's, yeah, me too. He gets the intensity of, He's, I shouldn't say, because I don't know a lot of people who have been in combat, but I'll say that I think more people probably should have been like him than they are like everybody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, just a yeah. little bit kind of like, do you know what we do for a living? We kill people. It's really kind of yeah. screwed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah so um, anyway, uh, Greg and Jim talk and Jim notes that if Lard stops going by the rule book, they lose their edge because yeah. <laughs> that's. I like that the the idea that oh the, the the only advantage we have is that you know we don't that they, they play by the rules and we don't. Uh, but Happy's thought is something. If they're on leave, they aren't active, and therefore they can't be shown to be inactive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he posts these orders that they're going on R and R. Well, the date is September fifteenth, nineteen forty three. That's this is you know 
ever really see dates in this show. So it's, I, I thought I'd take a look and see what's going on in that, that part of time of the war. Let's see. The, September 3rd, the Allies have invaded Italy um, in the other side of the world. Uh, let's see. The Imperial Japanese Navy, uh, there's a, uh, let's see. Oh, yes. The Imperial Japanese Navy uh, sub was sunk off the, that day was on the, September 15th, was sunk off the, just the, the, just outside of Espirito Santo, which is actually what Espiritos Marcos is in the show. So that's kind of cool. That actually happened. Um, and on September 15th, the U.S. Army admitted that they had the existence of a top secret weapon known as the bazooka. <laughs> that's great. Because, you know, you just think of a bazooka as just being there everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, they can't be listed. Um, I think that actually sounds like it's probably even true that if they're on R&R, they can't that sounds like a reasonable rule that probably was a rule so uh, yeah and it's an, it's an interesting thing because it's kind of a role role reversal here yeah yeah Lara exactly is, going, is not going by the book and pappy is going by the book yeah i think it's great it's a lot of fun that he's doing that and it's like they're going off to some place called arabella which doesn't exist um and, which apparently has uh, rum, sugar, and natives. I think they're trying to go to the Caribbean, Steve. Yeah, sounds good. It doesn't sound like it's in the Solomons, man. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, as I've said before, the, the rear area stuff in this show is hilarious because it yeah. so wasn't, that infrastructure didn't exist in the Pacific, right? Yeah, it's 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 almost it's almost like they're trying to do that what like kind of mutiny on the bounty kind of thing with this kind of tropical paradise with uh right. you know native women and you know booze and stuff like that, you know, this kind of um sexually permissive yeah. Yeah. booze driven kind of life that they're living off off when they're not on on in combat. Yeah, and it's fun. I, I mean I, I, okay, since so nineteen seventy six, the Three years ago, the Vietnam War has ended, and people did know about how in Vietnam you could go out in a search and destroy mission for four, five days yeah. in the bush and come back, and that night be in a bar, yeah. uh, drinking Budweiser, and that night you brush your teeth with Colgate and you listen to you're, you're hearing Bob Dylan on the radio. You yeah. may as well be back in the states. So maybe that's the kind of sensibility this comes from. Yeah, because in the Pacific, this just didn't like in the in the in the European theater. You got leave. You could go. If it depending on the time of year, the time of the war, you could go to Paris and you could go to a bar in Paris and meet a girl, Yeah, <laughs> but not in the Pacific. It was just, it wasn't like that there, but it wouldn't make the story as fun. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that wasn't it in the Pacific. Um, I like red whenever red comes back, as I said, uh, like I said, as I've noted in our little document here, he's on his way back to Eden. <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. <laughs> 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 boys are at a bar trying to pick up women and i'm going to tell you right now steve those are not pacific islander people <laughs> no they are not pacific islander people they're you know, they the generic kind of yeah in looking actors yeah like <laughs> actors with somewhat darker skin than the rest yeah. of the actors and it's yeah, like well exactly. you're a native uh, okay yeah exactly it's it, you know it's it's the you know um uh what is the name shab, shab saboto is that, mm -hmm. that the actor's name where he played so. He plays Korean, he plays Vietnamese, he plays Chinese, yeah. he plays Japanese. Yeah. He's of Chinese descent, but uh, he plays, you know. Oh, yeah. Because all the... Asians look alike, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. They all look the same, <laughs> all, right? It's all the so, same. You know, you're a, 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 I don't, 
just note to the listeners, I don't actually believe that. Yeah, but I was going to say, I, I, I'm going to clip that out and use that as my ringtone. Yeah, um, that's the attitude. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's, you know, that they, they're Asian. They, they can pass for Chinese. And see, this is the thing. I, I think it even happens. It happens to this day. And that's fine because, you know, um, land borders don't really affect too much the way people look. But um, I think there's a little more attempt now being made in yeah. media to if they were Japanese to get Japanese actors, not always, yeah. but you know, to at least try. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is like Chinese people do look different than Japanese people, etc. Um yeah. yeah, and and these wouldn't even be Chinese or Japanese people. No, no, these these would be <laughs> Pacific Islanders. They they, they, they should Islanders. look like they should look like the Maori. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or or people of that nature. Samo- right? Samoans. Samoans. They should look like yeah. some actually that's probably even better. Yeah. Um and they don't. They don't. <laughs> they really don't. Uh, and then Greg just sits down with a nurse. Uh, Greg. Greg doesn't go for the natives. He goes right for the for the officers. Uh, so he yep, goes. And he, she says that uh, maybe you have hypertension. He goes. That's exactly what I have. <laughs> hypertension. <laughs> and how do you relieve tension? I mean, it's so not. It's even not a euphemism at this point, right? No. I mean, it's it, relieving tension. That's not a euphemism. We know exactly no. what that means. That's not yeah. yet. There, there's no plausible deniability there. No. There's no like, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what he meant. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and in the scene, they give shots of all of them doing it. You know, TJ is talking about how he he shot down a Japanese fighter. Yeah. Actually, it's a, an American one, but fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bragg is talking about a, a football story. The first time he gets the football as a running back, he tears down, yeah. breaks all the tackles, gets a touchdown. You know, I mean, Casey's over there tell, telling somebody that how he got a Dear John letter and he's feeling so sad. And, you know, it's like these are all scams. They're all, they're all, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure Bragg played football or yeah, sure. oh, I'm sure he was on the football team. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> I was on the football team. I didn't play a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it too because one of the things I liked about that was the idea that Bragg talks about his football to career to someone who wouldn't know anything about American football. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, this isn't now where you know you can watch the NFL everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is a different yeah. time. And so, even if they did speak English, yeah, probably not that well. Probably not. You know, because you know, so- yeah. That's right. They would speak, if, if anything, they might speak pidgin English, because I know that's yeah. a thing in that part of the world. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, again, it's all stylized and it's fine. I, I don't, you know, because I know what I know what this show is supposed to be. This doesn't, yeah. this isn't Band of Brothers and yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, but it's still kind of funny when you look at it and go, come on. It is. Guys. Oh, yeah, it is. And I, I think it's intended to be fun, right? I think that's, that, oh. I think that's. Oh, I think, yeah. I, I don't think they wanted anything to get, to get uh, in the way of having a good time. Well, you said Stephen J. Cannell said, I'm in the entertainment business, not, you know, so I get that. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, Anyway, so, you know, um, and like, as as I noted here in our document, I think I've tried that line. I've got that. Um, (laughs) So she's going to give Greg some, quote, treatment, uh, and then they go to a cabin, and Jim Jim shows up there, and, you know, he says, you know, I'm getting a massage, Jim, and we know what that means. Yeah. It ain't a massage. (laughs) <laughs> and it turns out the old 214 with red bueller back on lakava so they gotta do yeah. something we then get a voiceover from 
uh, Robert Conrad telling us, you know, giving us what happened in the pilot three days earlier on TV, which is good because if you hadn't watched the pilot, you wouldn't know. So that's I have no that was fine. I think that was a very good use of that wasn't padding because a lot of times you end up. Yeah, but that was good. Uh, Then we get my I think probably my favorite one of my favorite characters, Hutch, uh, we see him for the first, really, I guess not the first time, but the first time where he says something, uh, we get, he gets Hutch to take all the Magneto points. I don't know what those are, Steve. No, neither do I. Okay, good. So it's apparently they're parts of the engines. I don't know. Yeah. And they can't uh, fly without them. They can't fly without them. Um, and so he's done that, but also it turns out when they get back there, they've been into the, into the, the squadron's liquor and that's where they're yeah, really we, mad. Yeah. <laughs> They go over to the op shack. Greg and Buell argue, of course. Um, of course. Yep. And uh, they go back out and everything's quite is deteriorated because everybody's fighting. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he says, why don't you try it with music? Which he punches him in the face, little chin music. Ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they fight, they fight, they fight. And of course, whenever anything like this happens on this show, you know that that's when there's going to be like a strafing run or a, an air raid of some yeah. sort. Yeah. To yeah. break it up, right? This reminded me of Five O'clock Charlie from Nash. I, I literally thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because when he says he comes, they usually come around ten o'clock after a patrol. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah, Five O'clock Charlie. It's um, like ten fifteen. Well, they're a little late sometimes. <laughs> and I love how they just have two perfectly placed fifty caliber machine guns. Exactly. <laughs> like, look again. It's fine, but. Well, yeah, but if they're always there at 10 o'clock, you know they're coming. So that's it, true. It, it would be easy to set it up. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair right. point. Right. And they, they, you know, uh, the good thing is they didn't shoot both the planes down um, no. because it was so rare when that would happen. And it happens yeah. too much in movies and TV shows where, yeah. well, <laughs> Rockford shot down a plane with a handgun. Yes. <laughs> in the pilot of that show. So uh, it's good that they missed. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Using those big fifty caliber machine guns, the same machine guns they still use in the yeah. in yeah. the U.S. Uh, armed forces. Hundred years later, still using those. Yeah, I mean Barnaby Jones would have been able to shot both of them down. Of course, yeah, yeah, that's right. While yeah. while while hobble running. Yeah, um, exactly. Because you know Barnaby Jones is Barnaby Jones. He's right? Barnaby Jones. Uh, yeah, happens every day on the way home. <laughs> uh, so the uh, original two fourteens XO. Uh, has been seeing it says some bad things about uh, Jim's girlfriend because he's been yeah. over with because they, they have moved in to everything on Lakava and they've also moved in on quote their women right yeah mm-hmm. uh, and as I meant, mentioned here the last person I think I'd ever fuck with is Jim Gutterman yeah because you know I mean Gutterman's in a position where he probably doesn't care I don't think he cares and he's a little insane like Happy, uh, you know, fights a lot, but yep. he's not crazy. He's got a responsibility to his men, right? Exactly. So, and he, and he keeps that up and he, like, he cares about it. Whereas with how to, how to, how far to push those limits. I yeah, exactly. We just say, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't shit at you. Yeah, exactly. And, and he also has that sort of, there's a, and at least in this role, can I see Wentworth do other things? He doesn't always play this kind of thing, but in no. this role, he has this kind of look on his face where he's always about this far from snapping. Yeah. Like he's got this, like, just sneer on his face yeah. that's like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to try? Because that'll be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be screwing with Jim Gutterman. No. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, so, so Buell had the same idea. Uh, he's removed the distributor caps. I know what distributor caps are. Okay. 
they are the the spark plug wires go to the distributor goes to the distributor cap and then okay i know that much i don't really know yeah. what they are they're I can't part of it and, and you can get it from consumers distributing yeah or shop right uh <laughs> right uh so gonna play poker for them because um, in this show there are three ways of solving an issue yeah fighting <laughs> yeah drinking yeah and playing cards yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the 1970s toxic masculinity guide. Uh, <laughs> Very much is. <laughs> it's it's an old trope too, where you see two people playing cards like this, and I they're just playing regular raw poker. Yep. With two people. Yep. I don't see how there's a whole ton of skill involved there. This isn't like playing five card or seven card stud where you you can. I don't know. I, I, I just, it, I never understood. It's just, about, it's just about the bluffing. It it's, must be right. It's about reading. You know, that's, that's why I always find poker more, uh, more interesting than like blackjack. Okay. Because poker deals a little bit more with knowing who you're playing against. Yep. Right. It's not just a simple matter of odds, you know, and statistics and, yes. uh, you know, and uh, not possibilities, but, you know, probabilities. I mean, yep. Probabilities. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yes. Um, where, because poker, you, you're playing against somebody else and you're kind of, yes, you know, judging them, you know, which is what this is. This, and this is what, what, why they play poker here is, is it's the two of them kind of judging each other. Yes. They're, they're, they're better at outthinking the other person. You know, po poker allows you to do that. Right. Yeah. You, know, you can play the, you, you, you can, you know, the, all those ideas of tells and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. you, you play the person that you're playing as much as you're playing the cards you're given. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I guess partially I just don't play a lot of cards. Because I, I'm not very good at poker, but there was a time when I, when my brother, my, now my ex-brother-in-law, I uh, had uh, like a kind of poker thing at, hit, at my, my oh. house. And there was one point where I had really shitty cards. I can even remember it was a pair of sixes and a pair of threes. Okay. Right. And I kept, raising and checking and calling um and somebody said you know they folded and as they were folding they said well this guy out loud this is what they said this guy never bets unless he has something really good right and i didn't <laughs> <laughs> it's my the greatest moment in my poker career oh yeah that, that would be which that would i would bluff this guy because he thought because he he was watching me and I only, I mean, up until that point, he was right. I'd never, I'd never bet unless I had really good, really good cards. Okay. okay. Um, I didn't always win, but I right. had really good cards. Um, and this time I didn't have really good cards. And that's why, and I showed it afterwards. He said, really? That's all you had? Like, <laughs> that's not bad. You know, so, and you know, and it's, you know, cause it's that kind of thing. Like he was watching me, how I played and stuff like that. And then bet on that. And he lost or well, he folded because I deviated from what I was normally doing. You know, you got to know when to fold them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it I always, amazes, it always amazes me about poker is that, you know, Victoria Corin Mitchell, who hosts Only Connect, yeah. David Mitchell, she's a professional poker player. She is. And that's is. wild to me because I don't think of women doing it at all. That's, that's so why Jennifer it's wild. Tilly. So is Jennifer Tilly. I don't know who that is. You know Jennifer Tilly. Look no, her no. Who, who is that? She, she, an actress. She's she, oh. seen a lot of B-horror movies. Very attractive um you know she's uh she played the voice of bride of chucky i think if you look her up and you see i, her, you I know who her. that is okay now that i see her i know exactly who that is I, yeah, I she, know. She, good for her yeah, <laughs> she she's a professional poker player as well cool 
Well, I, I that's I have now been educated in the ways of the poker. There you go. Now, Buell has put his two kid brothers through college playing poker. Yes. Uh, and Greg, as I note here, he's basically a superhero, so he'll be fine. Um, <laughs> they play cards. Yes. Red has three of a kind. Greg has nothing. Greg bluffs him. Wins a, wins a few distributor caps and it goes on for a long time. And this is the thing that gets me is that because it's just two guys playing straight up draw poker, like no one's probably going to win all the stuff. No, it's going to exactly. go on all exactly. fucking that, night. That's why you want more people because you have a better chance of winning. Yeah. Right. You know, so French and Casey are talking about it and Casey tells uh, Don French that they're, they're, you know, they're not actually bad guys. And Casey's right. Casey's the only normal person, right? Yeah. In the black sheep, he's the only person who wasn't a criminal. Yeah. Right. So he's like, he sees the good in some people. So he's like, no, they're okay, guys. I was talking to them. They're fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, still, we, we can't. Um, I think that's why I like the character, but you know, no one else is going to go along with that and think they're good guys. But we know that this is going, you know, that the trope, the trope that will happen here is that they'll have to combine their forces, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's how it always works. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's only six packs or six caps rather in six magnetos. Um, and you think it would, like I said here, end in either two minutes or forever. And it's not going to ever end because <laughs> so, nobody wins. Two people playing poker. Especially yeah. if they're especially if they're equal, yes, yeah. they seem to be. They seem to be in in terms of their ability equal. Like me, I play poker, but I'm not very good at it. So yeah, somebody, same here. somebody who's good at poker could could, could clean me out very quickly. Yeah, because uh, I'm not very good at it. I know how to play it, but I'm not sure. very good. Yeah, same here. Right, you know. But if you have two people of equal abilities playing yeah. against each other, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Uh, and especially like, you know, if there's only six sets of parts for each, each person, if you think at all, you're going to lose, you just fold. You're not going to go bet, 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 exactly. bet, bet, unless you've got a, exactly. you know, a Royal flush. Yeah. And then when you do that, the other guy's going to fold. Yeah. Or, or you're bluffing because I think that's when Pappy bluffs, that's yeah. what he's thinking. That's he knows, knows that Buell's going to think that, yeah. right. He must have something because if he didn't have anything, he's going to fold. Yeah, Exactly. Um, so nothing good happens uh, from this and they realize they're going to have to split the two squadrons into two flights of 10 and they'll, yep. they'll, they'll fly together. So 10 from each. Um, so back in the air, Buell and Pappy argue, about <laughs> what heading to take, uh, eventually they find their target, which is a ship of some sort on its own, which yep. they never explain what this mission is, is to go yep. attack Something. a ship that's not in a convoy, which I find fascinating. Um, it's again, it's fine. Uh, Anyway, uh, <laughs> they land and you know what's going to happen next. Uh, there's going to be a fight. So, of course, because we already had the cards. We, we had the cards, it. and we haven't had the, we haven't had a drinking contest yet. So, what we will have yeah. is a fight. Uh, yeah. the, and you know, I think was is it Casey who's doing the refereeing? Somebody's saying, "Okay, guys, yeah. the rules are this." And Buell says, "There's no rules," and Pappy says, "No rules," and he sucker punches him in the gut. Yeah, <laughs> I like that they do that with Pappy, like. It's he's sort of he's a classic anti-hero because he's yeah. actually not that like he doesn't it's not just not fair. following rules like that's not yeah. fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, um, that's a really shitty thing to do, but they yeah. do that, and I I, I applaud the, sh the show for actually doing that. Um, but yes, yeah, so they fight, and uh, and they're I think what I find interesting is they're both wearing mouth guards. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why they because I were I don't think mouth guards were even a thing. No, 
in the forties. Um, that's the first thing. But the second thing is like, I think maybe they're doing it for safety for the stunts or something. Probably it's, it's, it's probably for the actors rather than the characters. Yeah, I think so. Cause you know, <laughs> like silicone mouth guards weren't a thing in 1943. Yeah. I'm sorry. Silicone wasn't a thing in 1943. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, I don't know who won. Um, they just kept hitting each other. Yeah, well, um, nobody really won. Yeah, because Buell gets told something and he leaves. So it looks like Greg won, but it turns out Buell's brother, uh, who's a gunner in a B-24 Liberator, yeah. um, had been shot down. A rear so, gunner. A rear yeah. gunner. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, tail end Charlie. That's the that's the job you don't want. No. Uh, he was shot down over Bougainville. Um, and my grandfather said that in the Air Force, they used to say that you'd... Um, bomber crews used to say they would land and you refuel rearm and change tail gunners because he's probably yeah. dead yeah <laughs> can't wait for that masters of the air thing that on Apple oh TV. yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that yeah that's gonna be good because they make good things and i love that stuff i it'll be, it'll be like a really good episode of 12, 12 o'clock high um <laughs> there's also a really good um poem by an american poet named uh, randall jarrell Okay. Not, not about tail tail gunners because he 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 was um he was training uh, pilots during the Second World War. Oh, okay. Uh, in the United States, because um, he washed out as a pilot himself. Um, so they put him on training um, reconnaissance and you know all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's about the 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 Balter. It's actually called Death of Balter uh, Balter Gunner. Jesus. Right? So it's only like six lines long. Um, and you know, just to give you an idea of just how dangerous these things were, you know, it, it, it talks about, you know, the end of the poem is, you know, the, the, the ground crew with a hose yeah. hosing out the bits of the ground uh, of, of the guy, um, because he yeah. was hit by something and he was just, you know, literally blown apart, Yeah, you know? So, and they were, I mean, I don't think people understand this. Those guys in those, uh, those turrets were, they can't get out. No. <laughs> like they're strapped no. in. No, you're, uh, you, you, you like like people have to help you in and out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even even like when you're on the ground when you're first getting in. Yeah, right. They they help you in and then they lock you in. They lock you in. That's right. Yeah. Loneliest job in the Air Force would be yeah. being a tail gunner or a, any any kind of gunner. They, they, those belly gunners in belly gunners because there's like two of them. They're you know they're yeah. back to back. So and that's you know, different. That's different. They can Chat yeah. to each other. Yeah, that's right. At least they can talk. Uh, right. Yeah. Again, you know, catch twenty-two. That's part of the yeah with Snowden and Yasarian and Snowden and stuff like that. I, I, you know, it's good, great uh, book. I won't necessarily great spoil stuff. It. Great. I won't spoil it for anybody who wants to read Catch Twenty-Two. Yeah, it's it, you, and you should read it. It's it's a it's, it's a good read. It, it's a good read. It's also the novel that it, that creates the term Catch Twenty-Two. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's a it's a good movie's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, the movies, movie, I, I, you know, I mean, as it's as got Bob Newhart and Don Rickles, so it. That's what I was that going to say. The be, for me, the best part is, is is Bob Newhart in it as major, 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 major. Uh, <laughs> like there's just the absurdity of it, and I've talked to people who have seen it who have been in the military. I mean, in yeah. peacetime and stuff, and they say, "Oh no, that's it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not absurd. It's way worse than that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know. And when he doesn't want to see anybody, he crawls out the window at the back. So he doesn't <laughs> meet anybody. It's just great. Uh, we got a voiceover. There's a uh, one in 10 chance that his brother's alive. That probably sounds about right. Actually. Probably sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So Greg goes and finds Buell at Espiritus Marcos because he's and he's just drinking. Um, Buell's like hammered drinking. Yeah, uh, he steps up and trips, uh, and a Navy guy calls him a jarhead. And of course, a fight ensues between the Navy guys and the Marines because that's a thing. That's a, that is a thing. That is a thing. And, uh, you know, bar fights are always a thing in TV shows, uh, military thing. In fact, this reminds me a lot. The first thing I thought of was uh, Devil's Brigade. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, the Americans and Canadians don't like each other. They go into yeah. town and there's a brawl and now they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. So we get kind of that where well, they're going to bond. Just to give you an bit. idea. A friend of mine I went to high school with is mm-hmm. a helicopter pilot right. for the Canadian military. Yep. Um, and his and uh, his main his main beef was that they attached him to the navy yeah because he flew off of he often flew off of ships sure right but he wanted to be a member of the air force damn it it's like like norm it's you know it's he's like no no it's important it's like no it's it's, not really (laughs) he's the same i think as somebody speaking from the outside norm it's 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 not really yeah no one cares buddy I doubt your shipmates care. I doubt, I doubt anybody cares. Uh, yeah, that's so, so. This is a real thing. Like like this. Oh, sort of, service rivalries. Rivalry is yeah. stupid, and yeah, yeah. but it's in every country that has military. Even if it's yeah, exactly, you know, technically in Canada we have a unified military. Yeah. Uh, but they still think of themselves as different things. Sure, and yeah, sure. yeah. And they they there's they, there's they there's good. Them. There's good naturedness between them, but there's also, yeah. you know, um, yeah. you know, the running joke always about Marines is that they eat crayons because they're all yeah. stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's probably right, though. One in ten. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So they're going to go see if they can find it, find his brother. Of course, there's going to be a commando raid. Um, so they they go to the bush. They talk about his brother. Get in the Jeep Red. I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Packy, Pappy somehow figures out where they must be. Yeah, this this is totally realistic. This 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 yeah, part. This is like, this is so stupid. I'm sure they picked that up from somebody who actually did it. Yeah. Oh yeah. This happened all the time. Um, <laughs> okay. So because they're Marines, they're Marines. Now Marines, every single person in the United States Marine is first and foremost a rifleman. That's yeah. how they're trained. They are all trained to be infantrymen, even if they're cooks, even if the, no matter what, um, to the point where they have no medics in the U.S. Marine Corps. They use Navy medics because medics don't kill people. Yeah. Uh, they're all trained riflemen. So the idea that they could do this is ridiculous, but it's not as ridiculous if it was a bunch of U.S. Air Force people today. Sure. Right. Sure. So it's still it's still ridiculous, though. Um yeah. They're going on a commando raid. Yeah. An off the books commando raid. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. To to save this guy's brother. Yeah. Save Buell's brother. But the best part I still think is just he figures out where he has to be. He's got to be right yeah. here. Well, be right here, of course. Like, and if he was shot down over Bougainville, that's a goddamn big island, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not the, only that, you look at the South Pacific, it's yeah. a big place. It's a big ocean. <laughs> right? The Japanese had a lot of places they could have taken somebody. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, they somehow have scrounged a J2F duck. And what I liked about that was when they talked about it, they scrounged it, that actually sounds like things I've heard. That sounds accurate. Uh, we traded this with this, this and this, this and this. And it turns out they, I guess they got like a jukebox from a 
a ship that had that plane and then they get a bunch of other trades and traded other stuff back to that that ship for the plane and red says why don't you just do just trade trade with them straight up and then pappy says no you don't know how to how this stuff works <laughs> that's good um uh yeah <laughs> i also like when one of the uh soldiers or the marines rather uh says to red i i sir and uh he says what did he say? and gutterman says what did he say he said i i sir what does that mean means yes sir why didn't he have to why didn't he say that <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good uh right so then the belly of the duck they they black up which they would do so i'm always waiting for something offensive and it wasn't there yeah uh they use those rubber rafts a rubber raft to hit the island and that's what u.s marine uh, uh um, raider commandos used right so that's fine that's what they would have and it wouldn't be they would use um uh, oars they wouldn't have a motor which again so that's fine that was actually accurate enough um and uh there's a lot more japanese there than they thought they yeah. should have expected a lot bougainville is a big <laughs> island it's a big island it's the size of freaking manitoulin island or something and appar- apparently it's an important island because they keep referring to it yeah so oh yeah there would be a lot of japanese it's not going to be like nine guys yeah exactly it's it's going to be a lot guys yeah. uh anyway so there's a lot more Japanese than they expected. There's a firefight, of course. And of course, get, what, what happens is the black sheep come in, uh, lay down some uh, uh, cover fire, a little strafing for close air support. Uh, and of course, Marine pilots were, would be trained in that. That I don't. That doesn't bother me. That part's fine. That would be what would happen. Um, and Red and, Red and Pappy obviously needed it because they were covering the guys coming back off the island with his brother. And Greg was like, "Well, you know, we're not going anywhere, right? Like, <laughs> we're gonna die." And then I think it was it. I think it's French and Casey maybe show up and yeah. do some little close air support, and things are better. Yeah. Uh right. So they go back to the Lavelle Lacava. Uh, Pappy and Red are arm wrestling. Of course they are. <laughs> That's how men do it. That's, That's how that. men decide things. Yeah. Oh God! Colonel Arch shows up. Um, he says, are you prosecuting the squadron leader for an unauthorized ground action? And uh, that's, he says, yeah, sure. Uh, did you take command of the squadron, uh, Major? Yes, I did. And yeah. Red says, <laughs> so it's basically, he now would have to actually go after Red, which he doesn't want to do because he's his, yeah. his boy. And Greg says, I'm finally starting to understand, or Red says, I'm finally starting to understand things better. And he'll, I'll play it better next time. And then he sucker punches Greg, which is good because Greg sucker punched him earlier. So (laughs) shows that he understands each other. Yeah. He's finally getting, oh, I see you don't follow the rules and you go on off the books commando raids and you get to run a fighter squadron. (laughs) And other people get blamed for it because Buell is technically the squadron commander. That's right. The other guys are, they don't work for they're they're on they're on leave. Yep. They're on leave. Yeah. So it's kind of I mean it was a, it was a nice one. I I liked the action sequences were great. A lot of fun. Yep. Um. And I like when Red Bull's in. I just Charles Napier's fun to watch act. And yeah. Charles Napier's great. Mm-hmm. He's just fun. Like he's he knows exactly what kind of role to play and he just plays it and he just chews yep. up scenery. But I love it. Like it's I imagine him at home asking for his wife to pass the salt while chewing on a on a, on a cigar yeah. I pass the salt he's just that kind of guy uh he's like what red west acted like but in reality i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh what i missed Steve? um just maybe three things okay uh-huh. um so first when um 
I'm, I'm kind of going in reverse order. The first one, they're talking about mm-hmm. uh, when they're drinking and talking about uh, Buell's brother. Yep. Uh, he talks about, again, it's this kind of moment where they're sort of hanging out and we're, yeah. we're seeing Red Buell in a different way. He talks about his brother going going on this um, survival training thing. That, that as a kid he heard the Indians oh, yeah. had this kind of trial where they went out on their own in the in the in the desert or where, wherever it is. And so he decides that he's going to go out. And so he just kind of vanishes. Yeah. And, and so Buell ha, has to go find him. His mother says, go, you know, go find what he's doing. Right. And he, and he says that his brother was upset. Because he, you know, because he's he supposed to be out there for three days and he still yeah. had a day left. <laughs> so he's upset. Yeah. Not because Buell came out to get him or the mother sent him, but they they came out. They didn't, he didn't get his full time. So to yeah. kind of give a, I mean, you know, and it's intended to, to kind of give a sense of just how much yeah. Buell cares about his brother, you know, make that kind of. Right. Connect. And then maybe his brother will be smart enough if he's on an island of a yeah, zillion yeah, Japanese yeah. guys to stay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because when they get there, there's only like two of them there. And they say, well, where where was the other 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 ones? And well, they didn't make it. So right. it kind of sets the idea that his brother might make it. Um yeah. also I in that scene when they started fighting the um sailors, um, I liked one of the jibes. It, it, it the way it's shot, it's not you're not clear who says that. I think it's one of the sailors saying it to uh the Marines. Yeah. Um, saying, you know, um, I thought you were the waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at good... the uniform is that I thought you were yeah, no, that's you... good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um that's good. and I also like the opening scene um when they're trying to find the coordinates and Bragg is doing it. Yeah, right, and, and he's doing it, you know, and, and Casey's throwing in, you know, his suggestions, and Pappy looks around. He goes, um, "We're o- we're over the, the the target now." Yeah, and then Brett goes, "Just a minute." Works out. I figured out we're over the target now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think people realize that guy back then. Guys that were flying single seat planes had to be navigators as well. Like it's different now. There would be a I mean, they all know how to do it still, but it's all GPS now, right? Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that's just why. And other and uh, other planes would would have would have an actual navigator. Have, have an actual navigator because some yeah. some of them were two or three. Oh yeah, two, two or three crew. Yeah, uh, and fighter, this is pilot, why, fighter pilots because they needed it to be faster. Yeah, sleeker. You know, it would have to be a single pilot. And also, the uh, I, I don't think people get the idea that you know these guys had to be really well trained because they had to be able to do complicated c- calculations and stuff like that in the air while flying a fighter plane. Like yeah. so that's why later on in the series, they there's a character that keeps, that calls them all college boys. Cause they all would, they all were university, almost all were university students, the pilots uh, in, in during world war two uh, on the allied side, uh, not on the Western allied side, <laughs> I should say. Uh, right. Well, I was thinking about what to play here before we go but i should ask you if you have anything you want to plug first got n- nothing to plug um no i'm um i've been busy marking yeah stuff. got it so, sure uh, no problem you know, we i haven't I'm like and of course we've already done the um mm-hmm. movie collective one so we won't be doing we'll probably be doing another one of those sort of early uh at, at the end of this month um it's it's jason's choice oh very nice and, 
Jason, if you're listening, I don't know if he listens to this, but Jason, if you're listening, you haven't chosen yet. I don't know what to watch. You should watch 1975. Jason, you had one job. Choose watch, a movie. watch Rollerball from 1975. <laughs> he says he, he says he has ideas, but he, he okay. Well, I don't believe he has any ideas. He has I no good it. movie ideas. No, no, uh, it all comes from, all comes from Stephanie. Stephanie's the, oh, yeah, Stephanie's the brains of the operation. No, I think that's kind of a gimme. Yeah, he all all Jason does is gets things off the top of the fridge for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So what we're all going to play is Sunday, Monday, or Always by Bing Crosby, which was like a number one song for like a week, like a month and a half. It was a very popular song. Uh, so this is what the hip young kids were listening to in 1943. I'll see you next time, Steve. All right, see Monday, Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Friday, I want you near every day in the year. Oh, won't you tell me when we will meet again, Sunday, Monday. Or always, if you're satisfied, I'll be at your side, Sunday, Monday, or always, no need to tell me now what makes the world go round, when at the sight of you, my heart Begins to pound and pound And what am I to do? Can I be with you? Sunday, Monday, or always and forever I must be with you Beginning on Sunday and Monday And then forever leave that part in where's my fucking nose pointer um and hello hello peggy pizza house <laughs>